just keep being you. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity with a dash of sartorial elegance in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Never have to be like anybody else cause you're my favorite person when you're being yourself. A true original right from the start, straight from the heart, a great work of art, you stand apart. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Welcome back, everyone, to my podcast. I'm very excited to have you listening in today. Um, Before I introduce my amazing guest, I thought I would take a minute and talk about what's going on in the month of October 2020. So this month is National Bullying Prevention Month. And in the United States, this week from October 18 through 24 is Freedom from Workplace Bullies Week. And in Canada, they're calling it Workplace Bullying Awareness Week. So there's a lot going on um, online, um, social media, websites, uh, webinars, seminars, all kinds of amazing resources are running this month to help people that are maybe in that situation at work, either you know, dealing with a workplace bully, uh, trying to survive in a toxic workplace environment, um, not feeling heard, um, feeling retaliated against, maybe for speaking up for something you know is right. And as you know, well, maybe you know, if you're a first-time listener, you might not know, but that that last part there about uh, feeling retaliated against is a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. And I was actually thinking back to this time last year. Um, it was about a little over 60 days after I had gotten fired. And I am <laughs> I can tell you, I was still such a hot mess, even two months later, a hot mess. There's no other way to say it. Um, and for those of you, you know, that might be listening for the first time, here's sort of the Cliff Notes version of my story. Um, I spoke up at work about ethical concerns I had. I worked for a nonprofit and um, the comp- the um, the company itself, it was a 125-year-old, over 125-year-old um, nonprofit. It was, it was um, created by its founder to help specifically women that were in need, whether they were widowed, um, maybe orphaned, um, were immigrants from another country that came to the States and, and needed uh, a safe haven to, to get on their feet. Um, the founder of that organization specifically created it to help women. So the the actual mission of it back in the day was wonderful and, and something I strongly supported and really loved, loved, loved my job. So I report these ethical concerns, one of which I was asked to look into by the um, executive director. She specifically asked me to look into it. So I reported back um, what I, my findings, and two days later, they fired me over the phone. I got a phone call from my superior and was fired over the phone. So, I, so first of all, <laughs> did I do the right thing? Yes, I, I did the right thing. I did the ethical thing. I did what I was told to do. I did an investigation and I reported what I found. My interest was to protect that organization. My interest was to protect the people that were involved in what I found. So it wasn't about doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. The issue, the problem, is that the nonprofit that I worked for failed me, and they failed their entire system because they promised in their handbook and on posters in the HR office and on the wall down the hallway to the break room that they would protect their employees. They told us that if we reported concerns, that there would be a thorough and unbiased investigation that would even involve the board of directors if that was, if it was necessary to get to that level. So I trusted the system. I trusted the reporting avenue that 
they held out for their employees. I reported what I found and I got fired for it. I got none of what they promised. I reached out to human resources and got this like one sentence, cold, heartless text reply from her. Um, I reached out to the chairman of the board and who is the o- was the only person in that organization that had the authority to question the decision to fire me and also had the fiduciary responsibility to do so as chairman of the board. Never heard a word from him. So that is, in my opinion, a leadership fail on every level, an epic leadership fail, an epic failure of fulfilling your fiduciary responsibilities. So when I talk about retaliation against employees that are just trying to do their job and have the best interests of the organization at heart, truly, I, I know what I'm talking about because it's me. I've lived it. I understand what it's like to be retaliated against. And I'm also sitting here today uh, over a year later and telling you that you're going to get through it and you're going to be better off and you're going to find your tribe and you are going to find your people that are going to support you. And eventually a job at a company that values ethics and integrity and loyalty and honesty and transparency. They are out there. It may seem like they're few and far between, but they are out there. And the reason I'm telling you that there are organizations uh, like that out there is because last week I had the incredible opportunity to um, have a virtual meeting with David Neal of the Eighth Mile Consulting Firm uh, out of Australia. And David shared um, a a story about the company um, that was incredible. Um, they had taken on a client that was um, probably at the time the biggest client they had and the biggest money that they had coming in. And a situation developed where uh, there was some very obvious workplace bullying going on in the organization and um, a key person that their firm worked with in that organization got fired and David and his a team met, you know, privately and decided what they were going to do. So they met with the CEO of that firm and basically said, look, you know, this looks like bullying. This smells like bullying. This is bullying. And you're, we cannot align ourselves with an organization that allows for that kind of behavior. That is unacceptable. That is not professional. And our mission and our, our, ideology does not align with that and we can't do business with you and they walked away from that client they told them that they would be happy to work with them again um, but not unless those issues were addressed and remedied and um, they literally you know they took the hit and they walked away from that client and I thought that was the most remarkable story of a company just doing the right thing, not rewarding bad behavior, not looking the other way, not being a bystander, but calling it out for what it was and walking away from a toxic client. I I just, I, I've never, I've never been that impressed um, hearing a corporate, a corporation talk about a decision like that as I was that, that at that moment, I was just impressed. And that's why I'm saying that you may be out of work right now, or maybe you're in a horrible, toxic, horrific work culture, and you're sticking it up because you need that paycheck. And I get it. I understand. But, you know, that interview with David Neal and hearing them actually walk the walk and talk the talk and walk the walk and and stick by their their mission and their keeping their standards high it just gave me so much hope and I hope I hope it does for you as well and you can actually watch the video it's uh, posted on the eighth mile consulting LinkedIn page I also shared on my LinkedIn page and the gentlewoman boss my business page on LinkedIn so uh, take a minute and check that out and check out their firm um, 
it's just they do incredible work and like I said are a great example of a uh, an organization that is doing it right and standing by their standards and and mission so that was super encouraging to me I wanted to make sure you knew about that and hopefully that gives you some um, some positivity today as far as as your job and workplaces and what could be waiting for you out there I am so excited to have as a guest today uh, Linda Crockett from Alberta, Canada. And just a little bit about her. Linda is a certified trauma therapist and a social worker with 32 years of experience in her profession. After experiencing workplace bullying and receiving a diagnosis of PTSD as a result, she discovered there were no resources available to people suffering from workplace abuse. Linda then completed her master's degree specializing in this area and became a longstanding member of the International Association of Workplace Bullying and Harassment. She is also a proud alumni of the Workplace Bullying Institute in the United States of America. In 2010, she pioneered the first full-service workplace bullying resource center in Canada. Linda offers services from consults to assessments, training for leaders and staff, advocacy, and coaching. On the private practice side of her business, Linda provides specialized treatment for those who are harmed and a specialized rehab program for those doing the harming. Her philosophy, and this is important because I had to have a mind shift to embrace this. Uh, Her philosophy is that we must provide education and treatment for all parties or we will never fully resolve this abuse. Linda has lobbied for changes in policies, legislation, and with this now obtained in Alberta, Canada, she is working on establishing standards for investigations relating to workplace psychological harassment or psychological violence. So when I say this woman is top in her field and an incredible resource, now you know why I'm saying that. So sit tight, and I'll be right back with my guest. Hi, Linda. I'm so happy to have you here today on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's great to meet you. You too. You too. I've um, read a lot of your work and follow you on social media and LinkedIn, and you're just a, a, a blessing to the cause, to put it mildly. So I just, um, just for, for my listeners, today is a little bit more of a structured episode because uh, Linda and I wanted to maximize her expertise, her experience, her, um, her incredible knowledge on the subject of workplace abuse, workplace bullying, harassment, but not just for the from the angle of the uh, target, but also to help uh, cultures that are dealing with this, to help people that may find themselves being a perpetrator of that kind of behavior. So this is a very different um, episode for me, and I'm excited about it. It's also more structured. So I am going to be asking specific questions, and Linda is going to be sharing her uh, knowledge with us. So we're going to just get right into it, Linda. Um, my first question is... Tell us why you started your company in 2010 and what do your services offer people and is it specifically intentional? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into this work because by, I went through it. I mean, bottom line, I went through it. Unless you go through it, it really is a vague, don't really get it. It's like every other crisis in life. If you've never had cancer, you don't know what it's like to have cancer. And same with workplace bullying. I was in social work for 22 years when I hit rock bottom and realized that I was actually being abused in the workplace. And and I was so filled with shame because as a social worker, I had at least 15 of those 22 years investigating abuse and assessing abuse and providing services to families that experienced abuse. And I trained teams, I, I supervised teams. And we worked with child protect, or child abuse, sexual abuse, addictions, marital and domestic abuse. I worked with all kinds of abuse. So at the 22-year mark of my career, when I hit rock bottom, 
and realized I was being bullied, I was so ashamed that I should have known. I should have seen the signs. But I really, I realized that nobody talks about it. This is now, you know, we're talking 12 years ago or so. Nobody was talking about it. We were not even keeping statistics in my province where I live in Alberta, Canada. Um, and I'm talking about human rights, occupational health and safety. They weren't keeping stats. This was not taken seriously. And here I was eventually diagnosed with PTSD as a result of the abuse I suffered in, at the 22 year mark. So it was quite severe. And when I did my assessment of my own, you know, I did some research, I realized that that 22 years, I had seen it in every department I ever worked in. I had seen, I work with multidisciplinary teams. So I've seen it, nurses be bullied. I've seen doctors bully nurses, nurses bully doctors. I've worked with teachers. I've saw bullying between teachers and teachers, principals and teachers, parents and teachers. I've, I, I was bullied many times in that 22 year mark. I was mobbed many times and I witnessed it, but we didn't have words for that. Nobody identified that. It's so normalized. We see mm -hmm. it happening every day and we don't realize it. I always knew there was a dark cloud that followed me because every time I spoke up, I got in trouble. I spoke up because a supervisor was drinking. I spoke up because two of my colleagues were having an affair. I spoke up because I saw abuse happening or a child placed at risk by a, uh, an unethical social worker. And I was either transferred out, I was terminated, or I quit in that 22 year mark thinking, I'll get another degree or I'll take another course, maybe I'll get a better job. I just didn't know that black cloud was bullying. And so when I, when I realized that, I, I went looking for help and there was nothing for me. I tried therapist after therapist and four out of five therapists really just made me worse because they didn't know how to treat this injury. This is a different type of trauma than other types of trauma and the treatment has to be different. So as a social worker, I'm trained to identify gaps in systems. And let me tell you, the internal systems and the external systems were failing and are still failing. Uh, there's improvements, but they're still making big mistakes. I decided I needed to fill that gap. I went to university and got a master's degree in this topic, uh, in this area. I went to the Workplace Bullying Institute, got certified with Dr. Gary Mamie. I joined the International Association of Workplace Bullying and Harassment. And I'm now a member of a special interest group of therapists around the world that are treating this injury. So 10 years ago, I started this business to provide full services until other people caught up. We got laws and there were more resources. I had to put my toe in everything. So I provided training so that people would have a language to identify abuse. And if they had a language, they would then report it. And if they reported it, that meant that HR would have to get some improvements in policy. And if that happened, then eventually legislation would happen. So we did, we went into lobbying. We got our legislation two years ago, wow. not just because of me, I won't take full credit. A lot of people fighting for this and not giving up. And we got our laws in a province that is incredibly conservative conservative, and never thought we'd see a law here in my lifetime. So that means there's hope for anybody in the world, trust me. And uh, I provided services to employees that are injured, support and treatment. I provided services to bystanders, but I also provide treatment or rehabilitation assessments for those who are identified as perpetrators of bullying. My philosophy is you need a service that provides support to all parties or we're never gonna have long-term sustainable change. So, I mean, I had to do a lot of recovery work to get there. You can't mm -hmm. do this work unless you've done your recovery work because you could be pretty biased yourself or maybe closed-minded because of your injuries. So I had to do a lot of healing work <laughs> in order to be able to work with bystanders. I had to do a lot of healing work in order to work with perpetrators. But the greatest learning I've ever had was from the work I've done with the perpetrators. Hmm. So from consultations to training assessments to individualized services to support groups, that's what I've been providing. And uh, nowadays we see a lot more people hanging up shingles and, and offering services so I can kind of narrow mine a bit more. That's wow. That, did everyone get that? Did everyone hear all of that? And, okay, so I have a couple um just so you were you worked in the health industry, healthcare, as well as the educational system, correct? 
Well, as a social worker, we can put our hands into just about every area, okay. and that's why I took the profession. So I worked okay. in government, I worked in nonprofit, and I worked in hospitals. Yeah. And you saw this happening in every one of those sectors. Every one of them. Yep, everyone. And even that? in the academic area where I was being, yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's, it seems like there is a definitely a, a, a high percentage or a pattern in, in some industries more than others, or maybe it's just more vocalized. I don't know. Another question. Well, I think the bigger the organization, the more toxic, right? More, more bullies in the kitchen, sort of speak. I'm just kind of twisting that one a bit, but I mean, our government and our biggest healthcare organization is extremely high statistics on bullying. Mm. So the bigger, the worse it is. Yeah, And sometimes the more money they have, the worse it is because they can cover it up much better. Right. They have so, that lead. They have the money for the legal system to do that. And to get those NDAs <laughs> signed off. Right. Yeah. Oh boy. Wow. That's incredible. A lot of work. And I know, um, you pretty much started your company on your own dollar. Like you invested what you had in this mission, this civic responsibility you felt to help people. Like that is a huge well, calling. Nobody's ever asked me that question. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's. I started this out of my own pocket. I, I deliberately did not go for a nonprofit. I, did, I deliberately did not go for funding because I didn't want to be muted. Mm -hmm. You know, my slogan is uh, all voices will be heard. And so for people to speak up, for my clients to share or offer stories, we can't have restriction. We need to have a voice. So I deliberately did this out of my pocket. So I had full freedom, you know, so I cleaned out the whole top floor of my house and turned it into an office. I had meetings there. I had volunteers come and a lot of very passionate people came together to help get this started. And uh, it was very triggering work for a lot of people. So a lot of people mm. don't hang in there too long, right. but I'm very grateful for the help that we did. It was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, Michelle. But it was worth I, I bet, and a, and a lot of love, just love. care and love for people because yeah. who cleans out their bank account to start a company to help people that maybe are too terrified to even ask for the help. So you're amazing. Okay. Next well, question. <laughs> Nobody, I didn't know any. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Finish what you're going to say. <laughs> I said, I didn't have any other, anybody here to, to sort of mentor me. I had to, you know, research and discover and create and test it and try it and learn from all the early mistakes. So a lot of my first year was very, was all free uh, because I was teaching, I was training myself as I was doing this work. Right. And sometimes you do have to do that pro bono work to get that, um, that foundation built that you can then eventually it's, and a lot of people just either can't afford that or they they don't have the stick to itiveness to do it. So kudos right. to you. That's um, and I can only imagine the amount of people it's helped over the twelve years. Um, so this is a very your next. The next question I have for you is something a lot of people ask about, especially on the corporate end, right? The the office end. There's so much confusion about what is and is not workplace bullying. Can you shed some light on how to clarify what that is? The Gentlewoman Boss podcast has been named top 20 best month reporting podcasts of 2021 by Welp Magazine, number 36 of 200 in top entrepreneurship podcasts by Podchaser, and top 20 best whistleblower podcasts for 2021 by CastBox Media. For sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website at thegentlewomanboss.com. Oh, there's a lot of confusion around the definition of bullying because there's different different world, uh, different countries, different provinces, states use some different languages. But really, it's similar to harassment. Harassment can be is usually direct towards one of those protected grounds. Like harassment is usually about your your race or your gender or your sexual orientation or your disability or your source of income. Those protected grounds, and that can be a one-time incident. That's harassment. I can harass you in one time. But psychological harassment, which is bullying, psychological harassment is never one time. It is an accumulation of, of, of a lot of different tactics. So it's not just because I rolled my eyes at you. It's not just one issue. It is a variety of different tactics over a period of time. 
research does talk about it being six months or more. Uh, my colleagues and I, we talk, we see very valid cases of three months or more. So a variety of tactics over at least three months or more, I would say, uh, with intent to create some sort of harm. So humiliate, demean, diminish, degrade, um, just put your lights out basically. But that word intent needs to do, we need a lot of examination around that word intent. There's an awful lot of bullies out there that definitely are aware of what they're doing and intentionally trying to get rid of an employee. But there's also a lot of employees that are not so aware. I mean, one of the characteristics of a bully is lack of self-insight. And I think lack of self-insight is almost their coping mechanism because if they're in denial, you know, if they're not looking at themselves and they're in denial, which is very powerful, you can you can still hurt people and cope with it, not feel guilty, still sleep at night when you're in denial and disconnected. You know, there's a couple of books on moral disengagement. Mm -hmm. And I do believe a lot of the bullies that I work with, they've lost that moral gauge that tells them that's wrong. On some level, we all know that that behavior is wrong. But you can be in denial and continue on. And if you get away with it and get away with it and get promoted and get rewarded and even get trained to be that way or even hired because you're that way, that disconnection is getting further and further away. Mm. Yeah. That the dulling of the conscience. I kind of wandered off there, didn't I? The other part about what is not bullying <laughs> is, is direct uh, leadership style or tough leadership style. These aren't bullying, you know, making decisions on your vacation, your training, maybe even making you do the training two or three times because you're not quite getting it the first time or second time. These kind of decisions, organizational changes, schedule changes, that's not bullying. Um, but the delivery matters, right? You can deliver all that stuff with, with a tone and a skill that supports that employee to be the best they can. You know, that's, the, that's your interest. But if you're doing it in a demeaning way to embarrass them or shame them, we're talking about something very different, right? Like the belittling of the person. Right. And I think we've seen that, I mean, personally, um, berating staff in front of other staff, even key staff, you know, top management, um, physically grabbing people by their forearms and pulling them into a room and slamming the door and the screaming begins. It's, that's like, that's not healthy leadership right like they're well no that's yeah. assault <laughs> that's yes, assault it I mean, was. That, that stuff is really blatant and yeah. obvious but for the most part psychological harassment and bullying is subtle passive aggressive micro aggressive behind closed doors mm -hmm. and all those little bombs that they drop accumulate over time you know that saying death by a thousand cuts right mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's never, it's, it's rarely that obvious. I mean, it happens. It happens in every profession that people are really overt about it. But usually that psychological harassment accumulates over time. Mm -hmm. And you just start to get chipped away at as a human being until you feel about that big. And then you isolate because you feel about that big. And you're questioning your thinking. You're questioning your decision making. You're questioning what you heard, what you saw. And that's, that is the whole premise of bullying. It is yeah. accumulative over time and really destroys people. And sometimes they're expert at hiding it or being very insidious. So to others, sometimes to others, it's, it's normal. They see it, but they're, that's another whole thing, the bystander. Um, yeah, it's, and like you said, when you're going through it, it's, it's the gaslighting. You start to question yourself and your decisions and, it's crazy to go through. So it is, it's so good. There are people like you that can serve people that have been through it and help, help us see, get our sanity back, like find the under, understand what's going on. It doesn't mean it's right, but at least with knowledge and understanding, you kind of get your power back or your voice back. Right. Absolutely. I, I really don't want anybody out there to think that they're alone. There are services available wherever you are. If you can't find them, contact me and I'll help you find them. Yeah. But you're not alone and it's not your fault. It doesn't matter how different we are. You know, it doesn't matter what size we are, how high we are, what color we are. It doesn't matter. It's got nothing to do with who we are. 
I say to kids when I, when I train um, teenagers that are going into the workplace for the first time, that even if you were perfect, you would be bullied because you're perfect. So it isn't about something wrong with you. It's about something wrong with that person who's trying to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I uh, interviewed Janice White yesterday, and we did talk about that, that the work being done now to try to, um, even my own project I do here, trying to get this information out, it's not just for me and to heal myself, but I have a daughter that's a freshman in college. So I don't want her fearing going into the workplace thinking, am I going to go through what mom went through? I don't want her to go into it scared. I want her to go into it empowered and know her rights as an employee. And hopefully by then there'll be some legislation that will protect her too. But it's, it's, you have to have the long-term picture in mind. This is, it is about us because we went through it and it's horrible and we want, we want absolution from it. But in the bigger picture, helping the next generation coming, right? That's where they could, they will work in a very different world. I'm positive because of work like people like you. Well, the the courage that I've got to stand up in in front of large crowds and do the work that I've done is because of my children and my grandchildren. It's bad enough that our children are being bullied at school. I don't want them growing up and going through what I went through either. You know, so that, that passion has been fueled by my love for my family and knowing that this is, this is, is, it should be against the law all around the world. And it's not. Yeah. And if we can't get it right here in a, well, leading nation, if you can call it that, you know, in, in first world, first world countries, we'll just keep it at that. How can, how can people working in, in third world countries or, you know, areas where there's very little laws to protect anything or anyone, you know, we have to set that example. You know, when, when you say that, it, it was part of the decision that I made to start this company was based on that because I had 22 years experience with working with abuse and I knew the systems really well, the services available. And if I crashed and ended up, I, I could not navigate those workplace systems. I couldn't do it. <clears throat> and I thought about people that didn't have my education, didn't have my work training or didn't speak English as a first language. Yeah. How were they gonna survive this if I didn't? I, I felt I wasn't surviving. So that was another part of the passion that made me do this. Yeah, the disadvantage that really, through no fault of their own, uh, are so unprepared or you know yeah. they don't have those resources. Yeah, I, I understand that, I, I agree with that. So my next question, Linda, is what should people do if they suspect, are confused, concerned or fearful about reporting the abuse? Well, immediately start documenting. Get all that stuff that's scrolling around in your head on paper. So start documenting. And I highly recommend you keep all your documentations offsite and keep them in one location. Absolutely. When we're traumatized and and anxious, we, we leave stuff in the kitchen and in the dining room and in the living room and in the bedroom. And then that means it's still up here. We're worrying about it, you know, so keep it in one binder for your sanity. Keep it off site. If you've got emails that are abusive or documents, make sure you keep that in the same place too. Don't leave them in the email, print them off. Mm-hmm. Go and see your doctor. You want another professional documenting about your experiencing and monitoring your symptoms. Don't let yourself get as sick as most of the people that come to see us because they come too late. So see a doctor. Contact someone like me who has experience with workplace harassment. Contact either, you know, I'm a coach, I'm a counselor, and I'm a clinical therapist. So I have that combination. But you have other people all around the world. So see somebody because you want clarity. Don't make a big decision without clarity. You don't have clarity when you're getting abused at work. You know, we only really see this much because we're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. You're missing a lot of information. And a professional can help you gain back your clarity gain back your strength and your courage, and then you make a decision. Your decision might be that you're going to file a complaint. Your decision might be that you're going to take some sick time. It might be that you're going to transfer out or you're going to resign. But make sure you've got support in place. 
take some time to to regroup and and rest because you're probably not sleeping. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping that you're going to uh, read your policies and procedures, know what your workplace expects of you. What is your law wherever you are? What look at your law on psychological harassment or bullying? So become informed, but pace yourself and talk to an expert. Excellent, excellent advice. I love the fact that you mentioned seeing a medical professional because it does take a toll on every level. Um, I, I share with you that I was got so run down and stressed out at work. I developed Epstein-Barr virus, but it wasn't diagnosed until after I had left the job. So I had no medical leave. I had no recourse. I lost my insurance. And I really, I should have been more diligent with my care and documenting it in, with my uh, primary care doctor. It would have been a pattern of going on high blood pressure medication, migraines returning, you know, all these things that, and then finally the Epstein bar. So I think that's, and I think another reason I didn't is I wasn't willing to admit anything was wrong or that it was affecting me because I am tough Michelle and I am, I take, handle everything and, you know, I'm a lone wolf. So I, when really I just should have been humble and said, call my doctor and said, I'm stressing out. So that's, that's very important. Taking mm -hmm. care of our health on every level, right? Like, well, you know, you described a couple of common characteristics of targets. You know, we do have these high standards and we do keep pushing ourselves and we keep trying to do better. We think that if we keep working harder that the bully will stop, but actually it's the opposite. The better you do, the worse it's going to again. So we have some common characteristics like that and we need to get help sooner instead of thinking that we can fix it. I did the same as you. I just kept ignoring my symptoms yeah. and I eventually ended up with ulcers. I ended up with migraines, ended up with acid reflux, ended up with all kinds of problems physically and psychologically. So, you know, it's 12 years later. We all know better. We, mm -hmm. we do have resources now and right. we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah, very important. I'm going to definitely include that in the notes because and also your primary care doctor is sort of an ally for you. They're, you know, you're paying them good money to take care of your physical health. So if you can get them in your ballpark, right, in your tribe, there's someone you can talk to away from family because sometimes family gets stressed out. They don't want to hear it all that. We'll talk about that later. So there's someone sort of a neutral party that does have your best interest and can hear you out and also help you realize these, your, you brought, your body is suffering from this. You're not imagining this, right? Most of the doctors that my clients see are really great, really are. And I provide a teaching page to the, to the doctors so that they understand all the concepts that they need to understand. But there are some doctors out there that do make some mistakes and say, hey, it's bullying, get back to work. You don't need time off. You know, so well, they're probably a bully in their practice. <laughs> <laughs> so some of them really don't know and for those that go through that, it is an added hurt and an added betrayal. So I say, find yourself another doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's part of your, your tribe, your protection. Or, or bring some research to your doctor. When you go to report it, bring some research so that the doctor will have hands-on information. Right. Because they're, they're, you know, they're fielded, they're, they're treating so many varied things and I, I don't know. And then you get, you get your 10 minutes with them, right? Trying to cover all this in 10 minutes. But anyway, all right. So we talked about what targets experience, right? The, what, the things we can go through physically and psychologically. What do bystanders of this bullying in the workplace, what do they experience? You know, bystanders, I really was quite angry with my bystanders at first until I did some healing and I did some research and understood. And I, I really can see now that bystanders have some very valid reasons for not reporting abuse you know uh, most our laws here say that bystanders have to report so at the end of the day they're going to have to work through whatever their fears are but now they can see resources like me uh, there's many around the world that can help them with their fears their fears are that they'll be bullied next well that's pretty valid their fears are that maybe they'll get um maybe one of the bullies is their friend and they don't want to lose that group of friends they've, they've got a moral um fight going on there that they're going to have to work through. Maybe they're overwhelmed already and they really can't manage more. We're in a very high stress world now, do more with less, and maybe they just can't cope with it. Maybe they don't know what to do, or maybe they've got a sick child at home or a sick spouse, or maybe they're sick. Now they've got a lot of valid reasons and they need support and information in order for them to do the right thing too. So they lose sleep at night. They're fighting with 
you know, uh, their fear of conflict. They want to do the right thing, but they're scared to. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot going on and I think they need support too. Yeah. And I agree with that. And again, now over a year later, I can agree with that. Yeah. At the time when my mm-hmm. event happened, I was so angry at some people I worked with because they knew it was going on. They actually participated, you know, it's the flying monkeys, but um, I watched a Ted talk a few weeks ago and I cannot remember the name of the doctor. I think it's Dr. Shaw. She's in London and she did a whole Ted talk about or TEDx talk about the effect of it on bystanders. And it was very enlightening for me. Like, like you said, when you're in the middle of it, all you can think about is what your pain, your hurt, your anger, your disillusionment, your broken trust. But she, it's very eye-opening. I'll put the link to that too in, in the uh, notes. Um, but like you said, they're, they're in self-preservation mode too. If the culture is toxic, everyone's in self-preservation mode, right? And then yeah. like you said, they could be, that could be someone that they are friendly with outside of work. Or, I mean, I had most of the people I worked with, the upper management, all within a few years went on high blood pressure medication. All of us, boom, 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 down the line. And developed diabetes. A couple of the women I worked with got diabetes. Now, hello, but they yeah. they can't risk losing their health insurance. So there's so, no. and I can be much more objective about it now, but um, that you're right. They There needs to be some... Some love for them too, I guess I could say. Well, they need, we need to help them look at what they're doing, right? Because they're enabling the abuse. If they're not speaking up, they're enabling the abuse. Now, I understand fear of conflict. I understand not knowing what to do. I understand um, being afraid you're going to be next. And let's face it, many people have witnessed the process not work, right? Whistleblower ends up with a bad name and a bad reputation. Whistleblower should be something we should be celebrating. What's wrong with us? Absolutely. That's what we want, ethical employees. But for some reason, whistleblower is a bad word. I think it's a good word. I also think being sensitive is a good thing too, by the way. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, bystanders uh, have very good reasons and we just need to support them and help them. You know, today, 12 years later, I still don't accept my bystander, one of my bystanders reasons for not reporting. She was a master's degree social worker. She swore an oath to protect and report abuse. And I understand that she's afraid of conflict. Well, as a master's degree social worker, you better be accountable for, for, for your professional skills, meaning take a course, see a therapist, improve your fear of conflict because you're supposed to report abuse. So I'm just gonna shout out to that one and say, you need to work on that. <laughs> and I don't know how you can be an effective social worker if you can't deal with conflict. Oh my God, that's what it's all about. You're dealing with, well, whoa, so well. Well, that's right. And I, I just want to bring up a point because you're, you're such a good interviewer, Michelle. You lead <laughs> up to all this new stuff I want to talk about. But I, I was driving to this office today and I was thinking, you know, uh, I've been bullied in social work. I've seen nurses, teachers, Policemen, firemen, every profession uh, has experienced bullying, but every profession can also be a bully. <laughs> so, so I was bullied by a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I was bullied by a pastor, a social worker. That one HR. cracks me up. The pastor. <laughs> and you think we're supposed to be completely opposite, right. but I'm here to say, nope, we have bullies too. They come in all shapes and sizes and all professions. Same with bystanders. Mm-hmm. And more bystanders tend to leave the workplace than targets. And and it's not easy to leave a workplace that you love either. You know, so it's hard to leave when you need that income, you need the benefits, but you also love your job. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's um I'm sure there's a term for it that I don't know because I'm not that savvy with it, but it's like learned behavior. Like after some people I worked with were there for years, like almost two decades putting up with the baloney and it just becomes their normal right and and you have to sort of it's like a way of dealing with it I guess accepting it as the normal and you try not to think too much about it I guess I don't know I'd love to know how many people have been told not to be so sensitive or to stay under the radar oh everyone flies under the radar you know because that's that's what we've all been told yeah Yeah, that's that that's the mo you don't question nothing in writing no don't put it in an email they don't want any paper trail of anything 
but I put everything in writing. So me too. That's why I got <laughs> fired. Too. Anyway, um, so my it, on this topic, can you share? So on to turn it to something positive. Can you share a story with us about a per- perpetrator that you were able to help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've worked with many men and women, and I've seen progress. You know, there's only one that we ended up having to walk out of my office that I'm not sure we'll ever have progress. And that was a female, but I have had many. And one story I'd like to share, he's given me full permission to share his story and his recording is on my website. But, you know, with, there was lots of evidence against this guy. He was caught, you know, people videotaped, audio tape, took pictures, snapshots of screenshots on their computer. So my process is to, um, get provide some I do an assessment and I provide some teaching and then we connect the dots and then we get to the underneath what's going on long story short turned out he had an anxiety disorder so he was having a panic attack on the way to work every day and if anybody's ever had anxiety and a panic attack that is absolute hell and what a horrible way to live so if he's having a panic a panic attack on the way to work every day you got to figure out why and so sent him for an assessment. He was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and treated. No more panic attacks. After that, in addition to that, he was also suffering with a gastrointestinal problem and he could not have a social life. He needed to know where the bathroom was every minute, right? Mm-hmm. Just because of a lot of, of um, problems. Mm-hmm. So another assessment, diagnosis, treatment. We've now eliminated a mental illness and a physical illness, but we've treated it. So, but he's not suffering with these two monsters going on in his life. In addition to that, we had to look at what was going on in his workplace. He was a leader. There were no, no, there was no HR person. There was no policies and procedures. It was chaotic. He didn't have support or, or peer support or direction. And he was responsible for an awful lot of people. So he was insecure and he needed supports and resources like many of our leaders do. In addition to that, he was told to cut safety practices, you know, cut down on some of this stuff. And that was placing a lot of lives at risk. So no wonder he was having a panic attack on the way to work every day or having gastro problems. So if you eliminate all those things, we ended up with a, this guy was lovely, a lovely young man who can now travel and go and have vacation, have a social life and and have access to tools and skills and support and and I mean seriously he was a lovely young guy one of my favorite clients to work with and he was considered a workplace bully or a a harasser he was was. 100% he was bullying he was bullying for a number of years and when he finally got to that place where the denial veil is lifted and he sees it is unbelievable able to watch that transformation because there's just so much sobbing and, and remorse oh. and regret. And then there's this amazing eagerness to change and do better. So I really feel, you know, privileged to watch that transformation happen. That's, in inc- that's an incredible account. And imagine like, and you have to, I always think of this too, because I'm always trying to make peace with my bullies in my head. They have to be miserable inside. Like they can't, like, everybody kind of wants a a level, a degree of happiness and joy in life. I mean, we all deal with stuff, but overall, we all just want to have a good day. And he must have been in so much pain. Like, that's sad. That's really, it's it's amazing like that. And I think, so you, you fix the things you have control over fixing, but like at work, if they weren't going to create an HR department or create those safety structures or make make the company itself accountable to, we call it OSHA, you know, the safety legislation out there, that's out of his hands. Like you can't, that's not on him. Right. So at that point it would be like, then you have a decision to make stay or leave. Well, In his case, the employer really liked him and he was good at his job. And and all the guys that I have seen, ladies and gals, our guys, the employers really like the employee. They're very skilled and they want to keep them. And, but so the ultimatum is you either go and see Linda and change some of these behaviors or you're terminated. And I think in many cases, you know, like I said, bullies lack insight, uh, self-insight. And uh, in many cases, they come kicking and screaming and cursing and there's hours of denial and excuses and all kinds of justifications and shaming and blaming. But when we get past that, there's a good person under there. Now, every bully is different. There's many different bully types. 
and we're not talking about the narcissists and the psychopaths, sociopaths that do gaslight, that do deliberately try to hurt people. We're talking about another loss, a bunch of lost souls here that, that just need to be reconnected. Yeah. I have a question about this gentleman. Did he come of his own accord or was he referred to you? He did not. It was mandatory. All the bullies I've seen are, well, not all. Most of the bullies I have seen have been mandatory. I have a couple that have come to me and said, I think I'm a bully. I'm scared I might be a bully. Right away, that's not a bully. <laughs> if he can admit it. <laughs> or if no, he's worried if about it. enough, you're, you might be bullying. Take a, no, they're not really bullies. They might have some mean behavior. They might have some aggressive behavior. They might lack uh, emotional intelligence. They might be some incivil or abrasive stuff we need to work on. And that's fantastic that they come in. But the, mo- the bullies I see are mandatory because they're way beyond that. They've been doing this for a very long time. and They're in full-blown denial. So. so that is an organizational decision on management that this person needs this course, this treatment, this uh, help. We're going to give him, him or her this chance. And if it's not remedied, we don't, we can for you, right? So you're like, you're a mediator to that person's future, like their, their career at that company anyway. Like if there's not a change, maybe that could be it well, for them. You know, again, they come on a mandatory basis, but they are given a choice. If you want to keep your job, you better come and see Linda and make some changes. So that right. person might come kicking and screaming, but they're still coming. You know, they, ch- they didn't choose termination. They chose, okay, I'm going to go. So there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, but if they say, no, I'm not going to change, they're, they're terminated. Yeah. Or if I see that it's impossible, like the woman we had to walk out, I had to make recommendations that um, you don't let her back on that work site until she's had a psychiatric assessment and treated. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's, it's um, the willingness on their part to admit they have a problem and that they need help, which is hard for people in a lot of areas in life, right? Yeah. So you're the person that can facilitate that and get in there and dig in there and work those muscles and go through that catharsis and they come out so much better, so much happier, so much less anxious, right? They get their life back and then their, their targets get their life back too. It's a win-win. Right. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. Don't forget to download my show so you can listen whenever and wherever you'd like. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a second and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with ratings and distribution. Thank you so much. As always, if you'd like to share your story, or if you have a question you'd like answered or on an upcoming episode of the show, you can visit my website or send me a DM on any of my social media platforms. Find and follow me at Gentlewoman Boss. If you prefer to watch podcasts rather than just listen to the audio version, my episodes are uploaded on my YouTube channel in video format as well. Click subscribe, and when new episodes drop, they'll show up in your feed. Super easy. So until next time, remember, always choose to be the gentlewoman or gentleman in the room. And I'll see you soon for the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast.